0: So there.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, it's Friday night, it's 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You're at your place for the Unfiltered Experience, where we have amazing conversations with tremendous people, inspiring to you, have you change your attitude about things currently troubled with. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Christopher Rausch and my beautiful partner here.
0: Thank you, Chris. I'm Scott Goyette.
1: Scott Goyette. How are you doing, Mr. Goyette?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Life is life is treating me well and love inspiring others and serving others and doing the stuff we do.
1: Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's been a great, it's been an awesome week and I'm so blessed and I know that we're both blessed uh, because tonight, without any further ado, I want to take this opportunity. I know you do as well. Our guest has a, a very tremendous schedule and we're pleased to have him with us. So we're going to jump straight into the conversation and we'd love for you, Scott, to do the introductions.
0: I love it. I love it. So um, I've met this gentleman uh, countless times, and we've been good Facebook friends as well, um, especially over the COVID time. Uh, it's fun to interact and and share with like-minded people and also get people who counter your thoughts, and um, he's one of those folks. Uh, initially, I met him at some business plan competitions um, called the Rise Business Plan Competitions, where I brought my students, and we were trying to get them to give a 60-second six, pitch and find ways to create their business plans and make them a reality. Um, also, he was a huge part of Austin Ventures, which is a great venture fund that's here in Austin, which is second to none, even in San Jose and out in California. He's most recently, um, his current job is actually, or he's laughing when I said that I'm sure backstage, going current job, which one? His, <laughs> his his most obvious job is CEO of Data.World, which is an amazing organization. He used to be the CEO of Bizarre Voice. He's also has Hurt, Family investments. And so I guess gave away his last name. Um, Without further further ado, great human being and amazing CEO, Brett Hurt.
1: Brett, welcome to the Unfiltered Experience.
2: Hey
0: guys, thanks so much. And thanks
2: everybody for attending here. Um, Good to be here with you, Christopher and
0: Scott. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Brett. So I really wanted to do something different. Chris and I had talked about this too, is we have so many different people on the show. I'm just hearing from so many of my friends in the business world that the business landscape is looking as different as everything else post-COVID. And so, you know, everyone's like, what do we do with school? Do we send our kids here? Do we wear masks? Do we do summer camps? Do we go to restaurants? Well, the same things happening in the business landscape where I see so many CEOs saying, do we bring our people back in the office? Do we hire a remote? Do we do this, we do that? Let's talk about that a little bit from a CEO's perspective Um, from all your expertise. What's the world going to look like starting now and what's next? So I I bring an interesting perspective to this because I grew
2: up here in Austin, Texas, and I was programming since I was seven years old. So I grew up mostly behind a computer, meaning that uh, I had very little social interaction in person for the majority of my childhood. Okay. Um, And this time for me being literally a hermit um, and kind of cooped up here and only having data.world and Slack and Google Meet and Drive and all these other tools at my disposal felt a little bit like a homecoming to me back to my childhood, which was interesting because I grew up as an INTJ, I'm an ENTJ now And I've always built my businesses, which fortunately have all become successful, based on in person interaction. And there's just nothing like that physicality. I mean, I remember I was on a panel in San Francisco back when I lived there. I'm in in Austin now, as I said, and um, a woman was kind of riffing, this was like 20 years ago, and she was riffing on oh, gosh, you know, it's just the end of physicality. And, you know, everybody's just gonna become a cyborg, etc. And I said, Well, you know, remember, that we're physical beings, and I'm like, I'm a prototype of that in the sense that once I wanted to start dating, I realized, you know, I needed to meet people in person, um, that, you know, you're not going to kiss someone, for example, online. Um, so that was that was the start of my kind of physicality, if you will, I was totally comfortable being online only um, until that. And I was like, we're all wired that way, you know? And, 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 and it, was, it, was a, it was an interesting conversation to say the least. So I've been talking with lots of CEOs. You know, we're a 85 person company. So I've been talking with people like the CEO of Indeed, Chris Himes, who's a good friend of mine, and Heather Bruner, who used to be my COO at Bizarre Voice. And she's the CEO of WP Engine, very big company really amazing leader, amazing woman, and talking to them about like, hey, what are you going to do? And the reality is that we're all trying to figure it out. And a lot of people are waiting on bigger companies to take the lead, which is I kind of find a little bit funny. It's like, because bigger companies are slow and lumbering or like the last people usually to take the lead. Um, And the reality is, we're just going to have to figure this out, what we're going to do at data.world is spend Mondays and Fridays in the office. That's going to start up in a few weeks here. And part of the reason it's starting up in a few weeks is we had to wait to the point where we expanded our office to accommodate the fact that we've doubled the number of team members in the last uh, you know 12 months. Um, so we just don't have enough physical space. And those are going to be days in the office where everybody's in and that way you've got the camaraderie, the in-personness, all that high fidelity trust building. And then Tuesdays through Thursdays, we're going to give people whatever they want, um, wherever they want to work. And uh, my good friend, Josh Baer, who is the founder and CEO of Capital Factory, one of my best friends, he is doing the opposite. He's doing Tuesdays and Thursdays in the office. And then the other three days, wherever people want, And so it's going to be an interesting experiment here. But I'm pretty excited about where I landed, um, because those are the bookends of the week, right? You start your week on a Monday. You end your week on a Friday. We have a Friday celebration that we've always had since the beginning of the company called Show and Tell, where we show off our best work of the week. It's a lot of camaraderie. Um, And we're going to see how that goes. But there's a lot of unanswered questions You know, one of the things that we made a requirement is that if you're going to return to the office in person, you have to be fully vaccinated and not everybody can be fully vaccinated for various reasons. Um, Some people probably don't believe in vaccines. I'm not one of those people. And then some people um, have a health issue where they can't take vaccines. Um, I'm also not one of those people, fortunately, but obviously those people can't do anything about it. The ones that don't believe in vaccines, they could change their beliefs, but that's up to them and they're gonna make their own decisions. So for the people that aren't going to be vaccinated, it's fine, they can work from home, um, but they can't show up at physical events, but you know, we'll see what happens with CDC guidance and let that drive us. One thing that's pretty incredible for me, Christopher and Scott is, I just got back from a family vacation in Hawaii. And one of the things that was crazy about that, we were there for two weeks, is that before we left, when you went into an Austin restaurant, you were expected to have a mask on. Everybody was wearing a mask. That was just two weeks ago. Um, When we came and everybody in Hawaii was doing that. Hawaii had the fewest ICU beds in the nation as a state. You know, it's their islands. So like Maui, I think, has three ICU beds. Hawaii's GDP went down 40% last year because of how hardcore they were because they just didn't have the ICU beds. Um, they also may have more hardcore beliefs or whatever, but I don't know. But they they, they had this stance of just being super hardcore. They would arrest people that were on the beach alone um, if they weren't wearing a mask, just kind of crazy stuff, right? Um, and everywhere we went, everybody's wearing a mask. We come back to Austin, nobody's wearing a mask anywhere except for one place, Office Depot, where we need to get a, a computer desk for our son, where everybody's still wearing a mask that works there, but nobody's wearing a mask that shops there because that's company policy for Office Depot. So who the heck knows, right? It's, it's, a, it's a time where I think, I think honestly what's gonna happen is that the CDC is gonna lead. I don't think Google and Facebook are gonna lead. I don't even think Apple's gonna lead. I think the CDC is going to lead and everybody's going to take the cover of CDC guidance, including us, because we just don't know, right? I mean, right now, the requirement at Data.World is you have to be fully vaccinated to work in person, but we'll see if we need to update that based on what
0: happens with the CDC. So you, so you said something that um, I found really interesting and and I want to hear the psychology behind it because I've got my assumptions in my brain and you can tell me if I'm right or not. So the Monday and Friday obviously doesn't allow people to sneak out and take extended weekends. And Josh cho- you know, chose the, the middle, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, why did you pick the Monday and Friday? Was it mostly because of
2: the. Friday? Yeah, so Josh didn't choose Tuesday and Thursday for that reason, it had nothing to do with that. He chose it because he thought that the heavy meeting days being Monday and Friday for him are best done via Zoom. Oh, there you go. I actually disagree with that. I have the opposite view. I feel like the heavy meeting days require the most in-person kind of camaraderie um, and high fidelity trust building. We're going to see how it plays out. Like he and I are very close friends. I said one of my best friends and, you know, we share notes all the time. Um, you can still take a vacation at data.world. We have an unlimited vacation policy. It's all based on trust. If people aren't here on a Monday and Friday, because they take vacation, I don't care. I mean, like, they just have to get their job done. We're very OKR driven here. I'm sure you know what OKRs are. Um, there's an amazing book by John Doerr on OKRs. Google ran on OKRs since the beginning. Salesforce.com ran on OKR since the beginning. Um, Mark Benioff wrote a book called Behind the Cloud about the biggest plays Salesforce.com has made. He calls it the B2 mom model. He says it's the single most important thing that has led to the success of Salesforce.com. And we run on OKRs and OKRs mean that people need to achieve a certain set of goals that all align to the overall company goals. And I don't care what people do as long as they achieve those goals and we set a high bar at data.world so that kind of takes care of itself if uh if they can get all that done and take vacation we beat our company goals i don't care i mean you know and, and there are lots of people here that take lots of vacation and i'm one of those um so you know and 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 i you know i care a lot about us beating our company goals i've got a board of directors and over 82 million raised for data.world. So I care about giving all our investors a great return and I care about what we're doing as a public benefit corporation, a proud B corporation. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I'm not gonna budge on the Monday, Friday thing. I don't think. Um, I certainly would not budge on it because it doesn't fit people's vacation schedules uh, because what I do for, first and foremost in all situations is what is right for the overall business, not what is right for a few individuals. And the majority of people since the beginning of business time have started their week on a Monday and ended their week on a Friday unless they're Israeli. And I'm you know, a proud Jewish guy where they start their work week on a Sunday and they ended on a Friday because of Shabbat. You know, that's different. It's just shifted by a day, so that's that's the way we've done things as human beings, including since we started as at school. Um, we started on a Monday, we ended on a Friday. Mondays and Fridays always felt different. So that's just you know that's just the way we're wired, and and I wanna I wanna go with the biological and the cultural clock that we've been set up with.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Brett, when I think about, you know, the overall organization, where it is that you're going and you're waiting for the CDC, what proactive measures are you taking with your management team to really address uh, what has taken place in the mindsets of the people who have been home during COVID and and the different psychological situations they might be dealing with, plus all the different things that have happened on happen in our universe what yeah. type of uh, sensitivity training or another other type of training are you guys doing for the management team to be able to handle some of that stuff and be able to deflect it or either or uh you know send it out to for for therapy or counseling
2: lots and lots of discussion as a leadership team um, which includes all of our managers and above um, a real sense of empathy on where people are in their journey um, you may remember I, I don't know if you're both fully vaccinated. I'm assuming you are. You may remember that you felt very differently right after you got it versus two weeks after, versus four weeks after, versus two months after. Um, it feels, life life feels very different, right, as, as it kind of comes back and you've been a hermit for so long. And that's that's normal, right? And But the human beings are highly adaptable it's one of our best traits as as uh, animals, and um, that we're the most adaptable species on Earth. Maybe you can check me on that. There might be some nematode or something that's more adaptable, or one of those water bears that went to the moon or whatever. But um, but we are, you know, we're highly adaptable, and um, we have healthcare. One thing that is very unique about our company is I think we have the best benefits in Austin of any tech company. We pay for hundred percent of our employees health care, including for their family, hundred percent of dental vision. We have all the bells and whistles and it includes uh, mental care too. And so a lot of people leverage that through the different, um, you know, psychiatrists, et cetera, available to people through the program. Um, nothing wrong with that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who believes in therapy, who believes in having great coaches. I've got an amazing CEO coach I've been working with since 2008 named Kirk Dando. You know, this is, this is something you really have to be empathetic to where people are in the journey. And there's some people that frankly thought COVID-19 is no big deal. I'm not one of those people. I thought it was a really big deal. Um, and. You know, you got to take it very seriously, in my opinion, in terms of being you know, very health forward. One of the things that I've done, too, it's both practical, scientific and um, for mental health. In terms of just perception, um, both real and perceived is all over our office now are these very high cost air purifying units. That use light to kill all the viruses in the air. I use them throughout my home. Um, this may sound like a paranoid delusion, but you know, it's not. It's it's uh it's not it's 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 not that expensive when you count how much colds can circulate, flus can circulate, and it's a very easy solve, in my opinion. Um, and the air feels much better. My um, salon, I go for my haircut, they used it the whole pandemic, they didn't have a single case the entire time. Oh. Um, now, they also wore a mask there, but the air just felt great all the time. And that's what turned me on to do it at our home. And it's throughout our home. And I have people that have been using those for, you know, five to 10 years, and say they don't even get colds anymore. Um, or if someone brings home a cold, nobody else gets it. Wow! Um, because of how that
1: system called? So, <laughs> I yeah, exactly. you. a four. He's got a four. I
2: was going to yeah, say um, you got Jackson. Yeah. What is it? <laughs> yeah. There's multiple people that sell them. Um, one that we use in the office is called Valera. I think it's V-O-L-L-O-R-A. I'm not a rep for them or anything. Um, and then there's another one that we use for our home because in our home it actually is in all of our recirculated air. It's actually inside our wall, our our, our AC units. Right. And it's always purifying. Um, And it was a thousand dollars per AC. um, And we've got a fairly big house at our office. It was fifteen hundred dollars per Valera. And we have three going to six. Once our new office space is done, we're expanding in the same space and doubling the size of our space. Um, And those are highly visible. And there's people going back to the office right now in a limited capacity because they really want to there are some people by the way that are going to work mondays through fridays in the office because they prefer it they want to be on the absolute ultimate high high bandwidth Um, they like their office better than their home environment for whatever reason Um, i don't know if they have puppies pandemic puppies or who knows right but they that that's fine too and You know, I like the flexibility. I really think, you know, one point I want to make, I think it's a really important point, not a lot of people are talking about, um, kind of like Biden always says, build back better. I actually think our new normal coming out of this thing is going to be better than the old normal. I mean, there was so much stuff we were doing in terms of business travel and showing up for in-person stuff that was completely unnecessary in hindsight. But we were in a zone of just kind of a rut of just kind of doing that because it was expected. Bill Gates even talked about this on his podcast with Rashida Jones called Bill and Rashida Asked Big Questions, where he said, you know, even me. Right. He's like the wealthiest, I think, in the top three wealthiest people in the world He's like even me. I was constantly showing up in person for things that really didn't matter at the end of the day because I felt like if I didn't, they'd be like, Bill doesn't care enough to show up. And now that is shattered. And another thing that's amazing is the level of access we now have to so many people that were in exclusive venues before. One of the things that, believe it or not, was a diehard debate at TED was whether or not to ever create Ted.com and allow the videos that were at Ted to be online for free. And there were people on the board of directors who said, if you do this, it will kill our summits forever. We will never be um, a financially stable nonprofit. They are a nonprofit. A lot of people forget that. Hmm. And um, you have to be crazy to do this. It was the best decision Ted ever made. So Ted is kind of a time capsule of what can happen if everybody opens up access and the pandemic forced us to. I attended the Anti-Defamation League's gala in New York City for the first time in my life, even though I've been financially supporting them in a significant way for over 10 years. Last December of 2020, based in New York, because of the fact that it was available online, and you know, I was very involved in political fundraisers. Um, I am an independent candidate, just so you know, or independent um, voter. Um, I have voted for as many Democrats as I have Republicans. Um, some things that the Republicans are doing very disgusting, but um, but I am a proud independent thinker, and um, you know, I, I I was on like. You know Kamala Harris and Stephen Colbert, and I was just thinking, this this type of fundraiser for the campaign would have only happened before at like a hundred thousand dollar ahead at one of the most exclusive homes in LA, and um, now everybody is attending this. And you know it was a historic campaign; it raised more money, I think, than any presidential campaign. You know the Biden Harris ticket in history. Um, And it was just kind of amazing that 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 we had all this access. DJ Questlove did an amazing fundraiser. Oh, my gosh, the music was so good. And the tempo of that event was so good. And there's so many things that I got reconnected with and involved in for the first time because of the fact that we were forced to adapt digitally, which to me, again, felt very natural because of my childhood. But to a lot of people, it was a forcing function to learn Zoom for the first time, to learn Slack for the first time, to learn Google Drive for the first time, to learn Data.World for the first time. We have a Fortune 500 customer, which grew from dozens of people using Data.World to now over 14,000 people worldwide Mm -hmm. using Data.World. That all happened during the pandemic. That's kind of an amazing thing to just think about and contemplate, so it, it's, it was it was an amazing time for access increasing, and I personally think that access is here to stay. I heard from many nonprofits and many many different um, venues for raising money, whether political action campaigns, etc, that this was the best fundraising year for them ever 2020 so mm-hmm. Think about that. It's it's. It, I think that level of access is here to stay. But here's the sweet spot: the physicality, the high fidelity, the in personness, the trust building, combined with the best of that. And I think we're going to hit a real sweet spot. I'm very bullish and optimistic on that sweet spot um, coming out of you know the biggest pandemic we've
0: had in hundred years yeah and i I agree i I agree with all of that and i want to ask you a two-part question that i think a lot of people will want to get the answer to so i've got some good friends i was fortunate enough to receive the texas business hall of fame scholarship when i was in graduate school yeah I was very lucky i'm thankful very thankful so the people who are inducted um at a non-scholarship level but is actually entrepreneurs and at that time you know, you've got Michael Dell, you've got George Bush, you know, George W. Bush, right Bush seniors there. There's there's an amazing group of people, um, Jerry Jones. I mean, there's a lot of people who have made it financially and in other ways. And so I stay in touch with a lot of those people. And I've heard consistently without saying the names of who said it, because I was thinking about I don't want to put their name out there. They definitely are a handful of these older folks are saying no. You'll come back into the office. You'll do this. This is the way it's going to be. And they're they're very, they're, they're very like, no, this is what's worked. This is one of those times where I always go back to this. Remember Sears Roebuck when we used to look at the the catalog and we were like, oh, the catalog, like everyone that was Amazon, like that's your wish list. That's right. But the CEO of Sears, Sears and Roebuck said, We'll see what happens with this Internet thing instead of just totally taking over the market and becoming yeah. Amazon, which they could have done because they said this isn't the way to do it. This is what brought us success here. We are again. I think I think the critical thinker knows this. Let's not assume because yesterday that was a factor of success. What's the new factor? So first, I want to ask you the question of what would you say to those older CEOs who are really intelligent, but maybe mm-hmm. holding on old ideas? And I want to ask another question in case I forget because it's huge right now is let's talk after that about so many parents right now are saying my kids on the computer too much. They're building this. They're doing that. I want Mm -hmm. them to go outside play and they're freaking out. And you're an example where I've seen, you know, some of the things that you share about your son and the way you were. Yeah. Let's talk about that after. So let's talk to the CEO. (laughs) And then I want to talk about are those kids going to be not only OK, right, but really be the benefit of everything that's going to happen tomorrow? Because I'm, I'm with you. I've My wife gets upset sometimes. When my kid's doing stuff and I'm like, she's fine. Trust me, she's fine. All right. And so I want to get your feedback on both of those things.
2: Yeah. So the first thing is on big company CEOs, they tend to be older than me. I'm forty nine. Um, a lot of them are late fifties or sixties and they tend to think about things differently because they've only done things physically. And so they, they're putting their own kind of judgment on work really can't get done unless you're physically seeing the people do the work. And they're the type of people that will kind of notice the number of cars left in the parking lot Mm-hmm. When they leave the office, at whatever time they leave the office and whatever time they get there. And again, I think that OKRs and just setting clear goals and being aligned as a team can take care of performance. And you don't have to worry so much. Um, you can embody a culture of trust. And I do believe in physicality. Like, I i am a product of a digitally native world since I was seven years old in 1979. So it's not that I don't appreciate physicality. It's not that I don't get how high fidelity that is, but I don't think it's an all or nothing game. Um, One of the things that I did to ground myself going into this pandemic is at the very beginning of it. When we all shifted to working only from home um, as Austin really locked down and tried to bend the curve and did bend the curve, you know, I talked with uh, the CEO of um, Atomatic. Um, I talked with the co-founder of Crowdstrike. Crowdstrike's been completely remote from the beginning. I think they're valued at over 40 billion now as a public company. Um, you know Atomatic invented uh, WordPress, has been remote since almost the beginning. They made that decision pretty close And I also talked with the CEO that was the former CEO of their company and I got different perspectives. And one thing that they said is how important that regular physical interaction was. And so they would do it in different ways, like WordPress or, you know, Automatic would have big tent meetings where they'd all come in town they would all spend, they had a software which would pair people up that had never met in person before and make sure that you hit the maximum number of people. And they were doing that and then they would disband again and go remote and then come back again and then disband again. And Matt Mullenweg told me how important that in personness was. You know, Dimitri over at CrowdStrike told me how important that in personness was. So even the people that have been remote since the beginning or near the beginning talk about the importance of physicality, but I don't think it's a let's just revert back to Mondays and Fridays are expected in the office. I don't think that, I don't think you're you're harnessing the value of the gains of the period that we've had. And the reason your employees are revolting at that notion is because you're not thinking, you're just, reverting to what you were
0: before. That's it's what I wanted to hear you say. Right? I wanted to hear you say exactly that, because yeah, because I'm, I'm sitting here talking to some of the smartest people that I know, people that I reference in my classes when I'm teaching the students, and I say, this is a CEO who has done A, B, and C. This is something to follow. This is an A-class a mentor. And right. then I talked to them, and I, I brought that back this semester. I said, "You're you're seeing mistakes being made live, in my right. opinion and you're gonna that's watch right. this. So watch the companies who resist and are, are not looking at a hybrid model or, right. or like the potential for this this newfound normal. And it's right. not a bad thing. This this is a beautiful opportunity. It's not a problem. I mean, it's a problem I for the think, moment. I, I,
2: will, I will tell you that I think you can go too far too. I thought that yeah. like when Twitter announced like, hey, you never have to show up in the office ever again. I think that's a huge mistake uh, yeah. because even again, Matt Mullenweg talked about the importance of in personness for everybody. Um, so I think that some people have gone like just like totally, you know, whole hog to use a Texas term to to go, to go that direction. And I think that's a mistake because they haven't learned from the people that actually have been remote forever. Like I have. I mean, I, I was like, look, I've never been through this. I mean, I, I was a remote guy growing up, but I haven't built a company during a pandemic. So I wanted to learn from people. Um, do you want to shift
0: to the second question you ask about children? Yes, and- yes because I, we got enough time, too. And uh, and I'm a big fan of the free reign leadership, as long as you have those metrics in order to sustain. And I love that. Yeah. So uh, full, full agreement there. Um, yeah. yeah, let's talk about so there's parents out there right now without sure. a question who are really concerned about their kid being you know, in front of TV, whatever of course it's the content's a big factor, right? What what are they doing? Are they creating, are they building or they just ingesting junk? Let's talk about what that looks like. And another thing is, what do we suggestively sell to them or what can we feed them if they're going to be, especially, you know, maybe we should have had this conversation a year ago at the beginning of 2020, but there's still a lot of kids who want to be in front of some development, whether it's software, whether it's Minecraft, whether it's, I'll, I'll say this too my daughter watches anime. And um, so finally, of course, I said, I'm going to find out what you're watching. And I started watching it. Right. I was blown away at the depth of the messages. I'm I'm so now. Some of the best storytelling. I don't watch TV. Now I'm an anime junkie because of my daughter. So I'm trying to quit the habit, but I can't because the lessons are so meaningful. And then we learn them together. And she goes out and so let's talk about what that looks like. What are they doing at home? How, How do we feed them the right? content or ideas or support them in a space they feel comfortable, but also have that hybrid physicality model. So we're not just in one place or the other because there is a new hybrid existence. Yeah.
2: Well, I think you've, you've already said it. Um, it depends on what they're doing and it's really dangerous as a parent to be judgmental in that way. So let me just kind of break it out with my own childhood and then I'll relate it to our kids' childhood. So with my own childhood, when I started programming over forty hours a week at age seven, and then I did that over forty hours a week until I was through college, um, my mom's, you know, uh, siblings, you know, cousins, et cetera, um, thought that I was going to be a completely ruined child, and my um, teachers as well, and not all of my teachers, but. One of my teachers in particular, when I was in third or fourth grade, pulled my mom aside and said, Brett is going to be a loser in life. All he knows how to do is computers. That's all he talks about. And you've got the most unbalanced child I've seen. And I would be very concerned if I was you. And she told her to go to hell. My mom (laughs) told that woman to go to hell Um, because she was like, he's found his passion and he's doing something productive. And, you know, I don't know where it's gonna go, but it seems like the future. And I named my blog, lucky 7io mm-hmm. lucky seven, because I started programming when I was seven, and because I had a mom who believed in me, and knew I had found my passion at that age, and had the wisdom to keep everybody out of my way. And that takes superhuman strength. I can't even kind of imagine what that would take. I try to model that to the best of my ability with our children. I think the most important job you have as a parent is to expose your child to different things and see ultimately what they are passionate about. And that's what life is about. It's about finding what you're innately passionate about and then practicing that without prejudice. And who are you to say that, you know, you could be raising the next Spielberg. But look, I'm a fan of active parenting so that, that you have to pay attention. I mean, you know, if your child only eats junk food, that's not healthy. If uh, if your child you know, gets into hardcore drugs, that's not healthy. Um, if your child is just, you know, totally lethargic um, and hanging out on a couch and just getting obese. That's not healthy. So you have to actually be an engaged parent and, you know, ask questions. But there's this balance to, to, to say, well, I'm not that. That's different than my childhood, but they're really happy doing that. And you have to look at And use your own judgment about the productivity of that. And I would just caution you on that front. Like, I would bet all day long on a child that's spending 40 hours a week on molecular biology right now. um, That person may solve cancer. And, you know, let them do that all the time. Like, don't worry about if they're in soccer just because you were in soccer and everything else. And as far as screen time, get over that. I mean, the, the reality is, like, we're we're in a digital world that's not changing. Now look, what are they doing with screen time? Are they just constantly comparing themselves for, to others on TikTok and that's and that's just making them depressed? Well, getting get involved in that. I mean, you know, comparison is is a root of evil in humanity if you just constantly cuz you're never going to be pretty enough, you're never going to be smart enough, you're never going to be rich enough, you're never going to be successful enough. You know, that the comparison is a root of many evils. Now, there's a healthy form of comparison in terms of aspiration. Um, so all these things require a lot of judgment. But you ultimately shouldn't just try to get your child to recreate what you did, because maybe you're not the best version of yourself and maybe they're going to be so much better at you than you at what they do that isn't that going to be a gift? Like if your child grows up to be much better than you and live A much happier fulfilled life and ends up changing the world i'm jewish and if they're practicing tikkun olam and repairing the world like be happy for them you know be celebrate that and 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 there's all these kind of weird parenting emotions like some people are actually jealous of their own children and jealous of what they didn't have in their childhood and and that's a that's a very unhealthy emotion because now you're comparing yourself to your own child and what you had and didn't have and so Parenting requires kind of a a, a different level of discipline. It's the hardest thing I've done personally. I I think it's much harder than building a company like Data.World or Bizarre Voice or Core Metrics before. I really do. I really
0: think it's
2: the hardest thing.
0: If done done right. (laughs) (laughs) You have
2: done
1: right. I know I have a son son who's four years, four and a half years old, Um, definitely have learned a lot. What are some of the big lessons you've learned uh, through the toughest job in the world of being a parent?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is just exposing our kids to, to, uh, to what ultimately could be their passion. So our daughter, Rachel, she wanted to be a writer starting at age seven and would write under the desk when the teacher wasn't looking and put together her own little book. And, and in conjunction with her bat mitzvah, when she was uh, 13, she came out with her first print book which has absolutely beautiful illustrations. And the thing I'm so proud about with that book, besides the fact that it's an amazing book, it's called Guardians of the Forest, and you can get it at guardiansoftheforestbook.com, is that she hired the illustrator herself and paid the illustrator 100% of her savings, which was saved up since she was a seven-year-old selling every every type of jewelry you can think about that she made at coffee shops and the rest and you know we're we're fortunate to be very wealthy people we didn't start out that way when we got married i had a thousand dollars my wife had 2000 dollars but we've been very successful i've taken a company public bizarre boys that was worth over a billion dollars i mean it's been a dream come true entrepreneurially um and she really pressured us and said mom, dad, why can't she just pay for this? I mean, no, you have the money to do it. Like, why do I have to give all my savings? I'm like, Rachel, you'll remember this for the rest of your life. If you pay 100% of your savings to this illustrator for the rest of your life, she got it. She then did a a, a video where she's bathing in the money <laughs> before she gives it away. All this money she'd saved up thousands of dollars. <laughs> um, and then uh, she gave 100% of the proceeds for the first 1,000 copies of her book to the Andy Roddick Foundation, which helps underprivileged kids in Austin. Um, That was around $14,000 donation. And then on the next copy she sold, she made three times more than her savings back. Um, Our son um, is just like me, honestly. Uh, He's 100% wants to be programming. He does highly productive things on the computer. He's watched every Ted Ed. He's watched Every in a Nutshell, which is another great program you can check out that's like Ted Ed on YouTube. Um, He has savant like knowledge of quantum physics uh, because of what he's learned. Um, He wants to bring to life a version of the Dyson sphere, which is called a Dyson swarm, which will leverage the power of the sun to create 7 billion times the amount of energy we need to power everything else, everything on Earth, period. Um, And that's his life goal. And that's what he's working towards achieving. He's almost 12. And uh, more power to him, right? But it requires a tremendous amount of research time, a tremendous amount of, of learning. And he loves learning. He was telling me last night, he was lamenting on the fact that I need to put pressure. I'm very involved in Ted, love Ted. He's like, you need to tell them to come out with more TED Ed because I really there's nothing else for me to watch on TED Ed. You know, please tell them to come out. I don't know how many, you know, videos that is, but it's probably in the thousands. Um, and he's just like a sponge, and and he just loves to do it. And he's constantly programming. He's at a programming camp right now as I speak with you.
0: So I've got to ask you something because I'm I'm seeing one commonality with everything we're talking about, and I love it. And I think we put so much pressure on us as children. I'm sorry, as parents to help Mm -hmm. our children. And we all look back to our parents because we say, what did they do to help me? And we start looking at people in our lineage. Right. But here's the thing. We're the evolution of that. The word that keeps coming to me is incubation. And I keep going back to your mom because, you know, you, you guys learned so much from your mom organically because what you told me, what I just heard was this. Chris and I coach on this. We're getting sure. adults to find their brilliance. And so you use the term excellence. You know, Gay right. Hendricks says genius. We're getting them to find that. Here's the issue, you know this happens. The amazing artist in school wins the art fair at third grade, but the parents say, you going to be an engineer like your dad, focus on math, make sure you study, did you study, did you study, did you study without intention? Mm-hmm. And they just dilute and squelch and crush that brilliance as it was blossoming. It was literally right. in front of their eyes.
2: Yeah. It's very sad. Yep. So yeah, I saw, yeah, I I saw one of the most crushing things I ever saw. You may remember the offshore revolution, you know, the world is flat by Thomas Friedman and all that. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of people in America at the time that thought that programming was dead, and that it would all be offshore. Um, heck, even Joe Lamont thought that at at, at Trilogy and an offshore almost everything at Trilogy to India and the rest. He's one of our billionaires here in Austin. And he bought into that, right? And the saddest thing I saw during that time was a dad who I'll remain nameless. It's not Joe Lamont, though. Joe, Joe's, Joe's great. Actually, he founded the school that our son goes to, which is an amazing school, uh, alongside his wife, Andra. Um, but this this dad. Literally forced his son to stop computer science because he was like, There's no future in it, everything's gonna get offshore. And his son was crying, everything else. And he's just like, Look, I'm not gonna let my son do a train wreck in his life. And I was like, You are the worst dad I've seen. Like what you're doing is the worst thing you could do. And I told him my story, and I don't know if it resonated or not, but that's crushing you know that's just someone who's like i mean you know you can't hire enough engineers in the entire us right now we are in a desperate situation for more graduates in computer science we're in a more desperate situation for more graduates in data science um you know the so-called data scientist and they just made i mean he just made as parents i guess they made the biggest mistake in their child's future I have no idea how that turned out but it was just it was just crushing to hear that and and that that kind of thing you know you learn from good examples and bad examples. my mom was a good oh, example yeah. that's a very bad example and so that's a guardrail to say well <laughs> never go there you know so if you're listening to this and you're that type of person you know please stop
0: so so let's <laughs> yeah I, I love love the simplicity of that please please stop like that's that's really it please stop. So yeah. here's the thing, though, here's the thing and this. And Chris and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. We just said the same thing with Sears and Roebuck with the CEO. I'm looking yeah. at the things that made me successful from yesterday. It's kind of like you ever, like listen to these realtors who come up and say, here's a way to make a million dollars on real estate. But they're telling you yesterday's journey without the new variables and the right. new market. So it's it's share the tools, share the mindset, but stop telling me the pathway because it's all B.S. Right. many parents are selling pathway instead of saying wait a second if you believe you're here from god universe creator whatever there's brilliance within you period every single one of us and Mm -hmm. the minute you see that spark and your kid looks in your eyes and says i'm I'm gonna do this that's it all right that's That's it it. yep that's it it's not it's not that complex and then if you create the incubation environment like your mom did and says you could go to hell third grade teacher, you can shut up. I don't care if my kids sitting, you know, I shouldn't say in the basement because I'm from Boston, sitting in the upstairs rooms because we don't have basements here because of the limestone, but you're sitting where you are doing your work and you're alive? I mean, we need to celebrate that and there's many artists and computer science and and engineers and future doctors that miss that because it's not the pathway the parents dictate. And we need future directors of movies. I mean, mean, maybe that child is just
2: watching the TV all the time. It's, it depends on how they're doing. I mean Steven Spielberg and, and, and George Lucas were famous actually for doing that, but they were dissecting and taking apart the movie and, and, and I'm sure their parents were paying attention to that. Um, and so they weren't just kind of lethargic, you know, like a sloth, just watching you know content and barely awake. They were actively engaged, actively dissecting and, and they were training their mind, to become the world's, some of the world's best directors. And so it's, it you know, it requires active parenting. I mean, it requires like knowing that that spark is there. And, you know, it's, it's tough. I mean, like our daughter, you know, at one point just dominated in swimming because she had a lot of strength, very young, kind of unnaturally and just would like surpass everybody. And then everybody caught up and surpassed her not everybody, she was still really good. Um, And the people that it was right for, were literally going to swimming practice four hours a night, and on the path maybe to become the next Michael Phelps, and she almost never practiced. And so I had a tough conversation with her. And I was like, Look, this isn't what you really want to do. It's obvious. By how little time you spend on it. And that's okay. And she was crying at the time. And it was a tough, it was a tough thing. I thought, oh gosh, I, you know, am I remembering my mom's lesson, et cetera? But I was like, but then she went on to write her book and 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 live her real dream. And she's given some amazing inspirational speeches. You can watch them on YouTube if you search for Rachel Hurt, Conscious Capitalism. She spoke at their summit, she was one of the keynotes. It's an amazing talk, and um, you know maybe Scott and Christopher shall become like you, right? You guys are very inspirational and really try to bring out the best in the leaders, and that's part of what she does. I don't know actually what her path is, but it's going to evolve around writing and speaking, and really touching people's hearts. And her book does that. I mean, Guardians of the Forest has like four or five key lessons for kids, you know, four to twelve, and. Yes, I'm also a book salesman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, publisher, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs>
1: I love it. I love it. Well, in respect of your time, I, I have one final question personally for myself. And thinking sure. about our 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 uh, we call them our unfiltered crew. We have business owners, we have people who actually have traditional jobs, we have entrepreneurs, we have a cross section of society in our mm-hmm. in our family. What if you had a microphone to the world and thinking about an audience of what's coming, what they're coming out of right now and going back to the workplace and going back into life, what recommendations yep. would you have for them to have optimal success? Not the standard stuff, but what from you could you tell somebody three, three specific strategies like, okay, coming out of this, here's what I would right, recommend right. for your future success.
2: I would, I would spend a lot of time and contemplation it could just be a couple of hours, right? But literally just deep contemplation, when you're in a very reflective mood, that tends to be early in the morning. I'm a big student of Vedanta, which is an over 5,000-year-old Indian philosophy. And um, one of the things that it talks about is that we're wired as human beings to be in our most contemplative state between 4.30 and 6.30 in the morning. But whatever the the normal time is for you to wake up early and, and be in that contemplative state where the world is quiet, and I would think very deeply and ruminate very deeply on what were the best aspects of the pandemic, not the worst. You know, Everybody missed going to restaurants and movies and different things in person and parties and bar and bat mitzvahs and weddings. OK, fine. Of course, we all miss that in person. Um, funerals, unfortunately. Um, what were the best aspects of it? And how are you going to integrate those in your life, in a permanent fashion, to as Biden would say, build yourself back better. Um, I think I think we have a historic opportunity to do that, where the world was interrupted, and um, you know some of the things we saw was, you know, what's the future going to be like when energy is clean? You know, there were places in New Delhi where they saw mountains for the first time. We visited New Delhi. My wife and I was talking about this last night over dinner and my wife developed asthma-like symptoms on the first day that we were there because of the choking pollution visiting india was one of the most magical trips of my life um and it was a great vacation with her and, and 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 a great study of vedanta but you know that's 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 just horrible that that we're killing the earth in that way and and you know we don't have to do that and so I'm a big fan, though, of the book Abundance by Peter Diamandis. It's a very optimistic read. And it really talks about how we're going to solve the water problem. Israel's already done that. Israel is um, recycling 65% of its water. The US does less than 2%. And the next closest country outside of Israel is Spain does 13%. So Israel literally is completely self-sustaining in a desert Um, in the Middle East, and no other country around it is even close, including far away, the US. But I'm talking about the immediate countries, they're not even, I mean, it's totally broken um, in terms of their water supply. And that's a big problem facing there. So anyways, abundance goes through food and water and energy. And one of the stories it tells, which I love is the story of aluminum, which I didn't know. Which uh, you may not know, so this may be a fun little riff. Um, early on, you know, in the 1400s or so, aluminum was used by kings and queens and the royalty as the most um, expensive utensils to eat with, and you would give those to the most distinguished guest when you're having a meal. Whereas the rest would get gold and then and then silver, um, but aluminum was by far in a way the most precious metal and then a simple technological innovation changed the world forever and made it almost a throwaway metal and the price of aluminum is just you know almost non-existent today uh, because of a simple technological process well that's what's going to happen with energy and solar um and and we got a glimpse like we got a glimpse during the pandemic of what what will happen once we enter into this age of abundance and we're going to hit it with food and everything else i mean we just got to make sure we don't wipe ourselves out with nuclear weapons or or pandemics you know that are much worse than COVID 19 or things like that and we have to learn to work together um one of the things that just passed in congress um you know i can't remember when it was a few weeks ago or so um maybe it's a few months ago but um is a $250 billion package to invest over the next five years in promising technologies in this area. It's the largest government program in many decades. We're drastically underfunded in basic science. The only reason it passed in a bipartisan fashion, and it's very bipartisan, is because both Democrats and Republicans agree that China's about to kick our ass forever um, and we've got to get our act together. And so it was amazing, you know, and, and we need more of that. My only um, concern about that is it should have been a trillion dollars, not 250 billion dollars, because we've got a lot of catching up to do. But, uh, you know, we're in a we're in a competition for abundance and that includes A.I. and includes other things. So it's it's going to it's going to be a very interesting time. I mean, I tell my son all the time how lucky he is to be living in this age where You know, he may see the end of death, you know, in terms of like, you know, of course, people could step out in front of a car, you know, on accident or whatever. But but in terms of it being, you know, we may solve cancer in his lifetime. We probably will. We may solve all diseases in his lifetime. My good friend, Byron Reese, the author of the book, Infinite Progress and the other book, The Fourth Age, talks about the fact that everything's a technological problem that can be solved from poverty, nutrition, to all diseases, um, to congestion, to everything else. So we may we may solve like the world's biggest problems, but that's up to us as human beings. And that requires us being optimistic, and exhibiting a lot of grit, and working on these things, and funding these things, whether it's through BC, or government, or other things. The internet was funded by the government. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the job I have today if it wasn't for the government having funded the internet. Um so it's going to be it's going to be a very interesting time but I really think we're going to we are going to build back better as a society um, and as individuals if we're contemplative enough to choose to do that it's a choice
1: Awesome thank sure. you Final question yeah,
2: <laughs>
0: I think that was a perfect wrap up. Um, I, I fully agree. I think it's a choice of what do we do now? And you know, whether you're a business owner an employee or anybody in the world right now, we have a choice to take the lessons that we learned, you know, your point of just saying, what's the good, you know, we can sit here and say all the bad things and we can make that our norm and say, Oh, this was horrible. This is horrible. Or we can say, there was some deep opportunity in there. And I'm going to continue with that opportunity and make choices to keep those things happening and change the world versus continue to stay on autopilot in a reactionary way, which we had been doing for way too long. And I think COVID yeah. was just that, was it was a universal opportunity for us to wake up and we had a choice to stay asleep or to wake up and the choice is yours. So. Yeah, yeah. Remember that, that
2: it is a choice for you as a human being to either see yourself as someone that can shape the world and that you are shaping the world or see yourself as a victim that you're being shaped by others, and so. it's just purely a choice. It really is. And unfortunately, most human beings see themselves as a victim in someone else's story, and um, they are very real, you know, racial oppression and, and 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 things like that that we have to deal with. And you've seen that throughout history. I mean, women didn't even get the right to vote—white women, that is—until around 100 years ago, um, and then it took later for uh, you know black women and other women of color. And so, you know, that's that's the very harsh reality, that's just part of our history. We have a patriotic duty to understand our history in a very clear-eyed way so that we can change the course of history. You know, gay marriage wasn't even legal until very recently and you know, I don't care what anybody is doing as long as they're living their best life and they're not hurting others. It doesn't 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 affect me. I'm Very proudly in love with my wife, and a very proud uh, lover of you know beautiful women. Although I chose to just be with one, and I've been married 25 years. Good work. So yeah. So I mean, it's you know these things. You know, in the arc of history, um, we can be better. We can we can evolve better. And you know, one thing I always tell people who are pessimistic about these times or any other times throughout the history of my life is, I'm like, look. If you could snap your fingers and take everybody with you that you care about and go back 50 years, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years, 500 years, pick your time, would you do it? It's a one-way ticket. You take everybody with you, all your possessions, everything. Nobody takes me up on that, right? Not that I have the power to do that. But but the point is is that um, they, they wouldn't do that because everything's gotten better um, for, all peoples um, in America, at least, and you know there are some some countries where things have gotten much worse. And there are times where things get worse for some peoples in America, and then we got to double down and you know change that. And 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 you know there there's a lot in the Trump administration that actually got worse. Um, but, yeah. You know, I'm really happy with how the Biden administration is doing. I don't agree with everything it's doing. I want it to be more bipartisan. Uh, that's a really tough, really tough thing to do right now with McConnell and you know, and uh, Mansion's kind of holding the line. Um, I actually financially support Mansion. I, I, I believe in the way he's trying to hold the line to make it bipartisan. Um, but ultimately, you know, he's going to have to decide what to do about some of these things because I think the voting suppression that's going on right now is horrible. I think that's a horrible thing um, that makes no sense. I mean show me a time in history where giving women the right to vote or giving you know black people the right to vote or giving any people the right to vote has led to a worse place in society and so it's you know you can be very cynical right now because you can say oh we just had a pandemic and now the first thing Republicans are focused on is trying to suppress votes because of how high the voter turnout was. Um, and it's like, give me a break. Um, yeah. You know, like this is just cynical because of the fact that they thought the election was stolen or they buy into the Trump narrative or some yeah. kind of lunacy like that. So, I mean, you know, they there. It's easy to get caught up in the news and then get depressed and become in a victim mindset versus saying, I can actually shape the arc of this story. And it's part of the reason I've been speaking out on NBC and Sky TV and other mediums on voting suppression. Um, and I'm doing it as a proud independent. You know, I'm, I'm definitely not a far left guy. I'm not even a left guy, I'm a centrist. Um, I'm definitely not a far right guy, I'm not a right guy, I'm a centrist. Um, I believe in independent thinking. That's part of what you do as an entrepreneur. It's it's viable, right, but that's I mean, not
0: but that's not common. We, we've all gotten sucked to one side or the other. It's not common. I mean, we've been on each other's posts and I fully get it. And I also get why Manchin's doing what he's doing. He's in a state that only a Republican gets voted for his job, period. And the fact yeah. that he's there, he's got to show the Republicans I'm different. I mean, he's, yeah. Yeah. he's in a crappy situation. The world's in a tough situation. We're the change. We can do it. We can take the lessons and we can make these shifts. And I agree with the potential bipartisan, but man, it's a tough time to pull that off. It's it is no- a hard time to
2: pull that off. But, but he, remember that he has proposed um, new, uh, you know, voting kind of uh, laws. Yeah. That uh, everybody immediately said were great, including Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Um, and I, Think she's an amazing, amazing she's person. I, th- I, I think um, yeah. she's like Time Magazine Person of the Year type That's of great. material. Um, by the way, she's a proud uh, LBJ grad out of UT Austin. I don't know if you knew her. I, awesome. I, I think, I think we had that
0: conversation on Facebook, and I thought that was yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of a lot of greats have come out of LBJ School. So um, you know, we're in a we're in a, we're in a fight right now for the future of the soul of America. I believe that. Um, and I hope that everybody comes along for that, for the better and thinks about a society that's, that's, that's much more equitable for all because the future of abundance, you know, the, the, the times in history where abundance has occurred for the most or hopefully the all. Um, and in the case of like some technologies, they have occurred for the all like smartphones, for example, almost every single person in America has one of those now. It started out as elites and then just kind of went went to everybody. You know that's 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 the that's the arc of technology and that's arc of history and and it's gonna it's gonna be amazing future, but we have to make that choice. We have to make that choice. We can even live in a future of fear and scarcity and worry and victimhood and Oh my gosh, this and that is being taken away from me. Or you can live in a future where you choose the future of abundance, which has been proven time and time again in history, immoral, Um, You know,
0: starting with that story of aluminum, I told. We're, we're, we're on board with you. We, we, we hear it. We're selling it. We're preaching it. We're all saying the same thing with slightly different verbiage so that all the groups are receiving it. And we just got to keep that message out there. So, Chris, what do you have to add uh, final thoughts, brother?
1: final thoughts. Um, just massive appreciation, Brett, for you making the time to come on here and just sharing your brilliance. I mean, having a, just an in-depth conversation about leadership and about the future of what we can do as individuals and as entities to make the world a better place. I mean, that's what Scott and I are all about, is making the world a better place for who it is and what we do and what we say every single day that we show up here. So massive appreciation for you. Come back on here. You have an open spot to come back on the Unfiltered Experience anytime and talk about some deeper subjects if you feel so inclined, but just massive appreciation for you coming on here and being so direct and honest and and for what you do for your 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 staff. I was in corporate for over 26 years in my last position. And we had great benefits. But man, just a hats off to you guys for, for providing what you do for your teams and uh doing what you guys do in the world. So thank you well, for thank being you. here on the Insulted Experience.
2: Thanks so much. Yeah, it's it's a real pleasure to do this with, with you and and everybody here. Wow.
0: Love you guys. Awesome, awesome. Peace. Happy Friday night. Happy thank Friday you. night. And we cool. broadcast.